Well, we're starting a new series. Um, it's a series about prayer, and we're calling it Draw the Circle, which is the same name as the book, the devotional, that 225 of you purchased. And we think there's about 300 families or family units going through this because we have ebooks, uh, Kindle versions that were sold as well. And, and uh, so we're calling the series Draw the Circle, Adventures in Prayer. And what I've done is I've chosen six places in the Bible where prayer made a significant difference. And we're going to look at those stories in the next six weeks. Today, I'm calling this sermon, What Is It, Lord? Because that's, that's part of prayer too, is, is, is asking and listening. But, but I want to I help you, and, and, and I'm developing it further too, to develop the discipline of prayer. Acts 10 is the passage we're going to look at today, and the fellow in this passage said, what is it, Lord? So that's the title I took for the sermon. It's the story of Cornelius and Peter, the Gentiles who would all be grafted into uh, the, the body of Christ. This is where it happened, where the Lord threw the door wide open to all nations, not just the nation of Israel. This passage is where that door is thrown open. But as we look at it, I, I want to talk to you about your prayer life. And I, I'm not going to have you talk back to me, so there's nothing to be embarrassed about. But what's the deal with prayer? Where, where are you at in your prayer life? So many times I talk with people who think, well, I've tried it, but I, it didn't work for me. Uh, maybe you think, I'm not very good at it. Others seem to be better. They, they get answers. Or maybe you think you've messed up too much or that God, for some reason, doesn't like you so your prayers won't be answered. Maybe you think he just doesn't hear me because I prayed before and nothing happened. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to know that if you will begin on this journey, this discipline of prayer, God will move on your behalf. He knows you. He'll hear you, he loves you, and he will move on your behalf. So I'm asking you to go on this journey with me to become better at prayer, to seek him in a greater way, because I know we'll have greater things happen in our life, in our families, in our church. Donnie Moore was here this week, and we've been praying now for about 10 days. I mean, hundreds of families doing this, right? Well, we saw some miracles this week. After a public assembly at Wilsonville High School, an assembly with our high schoolers and junior hires, we saw this whole room filled on Tuesday night. And Donnie and his team did feats of strength, and then he preached the gospel, and a story was shared by Darwin in his testimony, and it looked like about 80 or 100 people came forward to me, and uh, each of them were given a Bible, went to another room, and heard uh, some follow-up, and were given some things that would help them, but some encouraging things happened. I saw a whole family that I didn't know, so probably from the public school, a whole family come forward, mom and dad as well. I heard about a, a young man who's been uh, reaching out to his friends for a few years. He's a high schooler. And they're from Wilsonville, and they, they'd never come to J Jesus Christ, and he, would, he had hoped they would. Well, they did Tuesday night. He was so excited, as he shared with me in the lobby back there, that they came to Jesus Christ. You know, these things don't happen unless people pray. These opportunities where the public school loves, we didn't talk about Jesus there, but they loved it so much, they said, sure, invite, invite them out on Tuesday night. And I'm, I'm so grateful. Do you, do you know that last year, the reason we went to Wilsonville is last year some public school students from Wilsonville came into our school assemblies here with Donnie Moore. Well, this year, not only that school, I mean, they, they asked me last year, do we let these people in to, to hear this? And I said, yeah, let them in if they want to come, you know, just 
make sure you have a good check, checking system out there. And this year, other public school students came into our assemblies at Horizon. I don't know how they're getting there. It must be friends inviting friends and saying, come on in, and we're giving permission. But it's opening the doors down the road as well. And I just want you to know, God is doing amazing things among us already. I like, uh, I don't like just fishing in the aquarium. This is the aquarium, right? These fish are caught mostly, right? We got to go out and beyond these walls to our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, and even to those in the schools. Well, God, God's done great things and I'm, I'm so grateful for it. And we're going to ask him to do great things in our lives. Now, I, I'm asking, I'm not doing the morning prayer meeting and I kind of agonized over that. But I'm asking you to pray in your homes now because I think that the, you, you know, the, the Bible says this is how you pray. Go into your closet. It's talking about private. Honestly, motives are, are just kind of weird. And when you come together in public prayer, I know good things happen, but when people get up to pray, it can get, it's, it's not always about talking to him. Sometimes it's about talking here, you know. But when we're praying in our homes, when we're praying with our husband, our wife, our children, when we're seeking the Lord in our homes and we're developing this discipline, we're going to see some things happen in our families. I want it to happen for your family. I, I'm, I'm here for you to see great things happen in your family. Jesus wants great things happening in your family. He wants to block where the enemy's trying to work. He wants to release some beautiful things in your life. He wants to give you ideas that will set your business free. And so we're making this a personal journey. What is it, Lord? Let's pray. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would show up in an amazing way today. Lord, we didn't come to church to hear from Pastor Stan. We came to hear from you. And so I pray that your Spirit would speak in such a way that when people leave this place, they'll say, you know what? I, I felt the Spirit of God leading me today. Let it be, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at this story of Cornelius and Peter, the Gentiles. You know, you say, what's a Gentile? Well, when it says that in the Bible, that's every nation that's not Israel or the, or, or the Jewish nation. And before this happened, this event that we're looking at, um, the, the, it was mainly the people of God were Israel. And you could be a God-fearing person, but if you were not an Israelite, you couldn't even sit with the congregation. You had to sit on the outside. You could obey all the Israelite laws and the truths of God, but you weren't in. You were on the perimeter. Well, it just so happens that this is a guy who was on the perimeter named Cornelius, who was a Gentile, and Peter was the leader of the church. So let's look and see what happens. But before I say that, I want to start with this point. What, some things about prayer to help us with prayer. What we see in here, the first thing is keep at it, all right? So you don't just pray for an hour and see if it happens and then let it go. You don't pray for a day or even two days. We keep at prayer, and, that, and good things happen when we keep at it. Acts 10, verse 1 at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. So he's one of those people sitting on the perimeter, but not let in completely all the way. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. So let's, I, I want to emphasize regularly right now. There's a payoff for this discipline of, discipline of prayer that is regular. If you want prayer to work, then you're going to have to work at prayer. The effort you put into prayer shows how serious you are about 
really getting God's help in your situation. I want to say that again. The effort you put into prayer shows how serious you are about really getting God's help. Jesus talked about that. If that seems off, you know, that it's the amount of time I put in or the amount of times I ask, well, we, you know, we have to look at the scriptures to see if these things are true, right? Luke 11, Jesus is speaking. He says, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed, I can't help you. Now understand, this culture didn't have, you know, 3,000 square foot homes. They had smaller homes, they had big families, they were laying all over the place at night in their homes. So to come to the door when you didn't have electricity might mean you kick your daughter in the head or somebody on the way as you're trying to move through the darkness. So it's not a good time to show up, right? It did, it, it did, it's not convenient in this situation, and that's, that, that sheds a little light on this. But I tell you this, Jesus said, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Those are two interesting words that they put together there. Shameless persistence. Have you ever given in to what your four-year-old wanted because of their shameless persistence? I know you have somewhere along the line. And God is pretty much saying that here. Because of your shameless persistence, I will hear you. Persistence has to do with regularity. Back to that, right? And so I tell you, keep on asking. I remember as a kid, every time we wanted to stop and get a snack, we traveled a lot in those days. Every time we wanted to stop and get something, uh, the kids would always, we, we, were, we were one year apart, every one of us. So, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11. Uh, Mom and dad were busy in those days. And, and, and when it was time to ask to stop and get a snack or for candy or whatever, people would say, you ask. And for some reason, I, I, I would say to him, you ask. Well, how come I always have to ask? Because he, he'll do it when you, well, the only reason he would do it is I had shameless persistence. <laughs> dad, can we stop? No, not right now. How about now, dad? Can we stop now? I never let him get completely away from it, right? And he didn't stop every time, but I found that if you keep asking, he'll stop more often, right? Well, and it appears to be true with God in this passage. That if we keep asking, it's, it, he, he responds, and so I tell you, keep on asking, and you receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Now remember, I like what Mark Batterson said in the video when we started. All this prayer stuff, when it has, it has to be in this context. The will of God and for the glory of God. It has to be in the will of God and for the glory of God. So it's not any prayer. It's not some dumb, silly prayer, you know, to just be rich and then, then leave church and never return to talk to God again, right? Because he's smarter than that. He, he gives us what's best for us, not what we want all the time, because we can't give our kids candy every time they want it, right? Or their teeth will rot out of their heads. And, and, and so it's, it's in the will of God for the glory of God. And yet, there's so much that could be unleashed in our lives that's good that we're not asking for. We're not believing that he's good that he rewards those who diligently seek him, the Bible says. I like what Mark Batterson says, and he's the writer of Draw the Circle, the devotional we're going through together. He says, too often we pray ASAP prayers as soon as possible. We need to start praying ALAT prayers as long as it takes. 
That's the thought that we're just going to stay at it. That's the thought that we believe He hears us, that He's good, that He loves us, even though we don't get an immediate answer. Because you know the timing of God has a lot to do with the will of God. You miss the timing of God, you've missed the will of God. And so that's why we stay at it. We know that we can break down. We can block things that the enemy's doing. We can pray a hedge of protection around our family. We can stop bad things, but we know also when we're praying for things to happen that there's a will on the other end of some people who don't want to come to Jesus. That has to be broken down. Time is involved with it. And yet our prayers are preparing a way and unleashing the presence of God in all these situations. Don't give up too soon. A family lived in Iowa and they were going to make the long journey to the Pacific Ocean. <clears throat> they traveled to Nebraska, Colorado, Utah, Nevada. Finally, they reached California, and their anticipation was growing. They could envision the coastal vista and the rugged coastline, and, and, and their hearts were just surging. And after days of driving, they finally saw a sign, Monterey Wharf, two miles. Then for no apparent reason, dad makes a U-turn, begins to head back to Iowa, and he mutters to mom and the kids, I think we've seen enough. Let's head home. Well, that's, that's kind of the way we are in prayer sometimes. We've been praying, 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 and then we think, well, God, God, I guess he doesn't want it to happen. No, he said, keep on. Keep at it. Keep going. This guy prayed regularly. They were telling him he wasn't quite good enough as the rest of them. Sit on the outside. But God saw him. God heard him. And God moved on his behalf. And not only his behalf. And this is the deal. You follow God. He blesses people around you everywhere. We'll see that here in just a moment. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Keep at it. So about uh, 10 days ago, I was on a surgeon's table at the Cancer Research Center. And uh, I had gone several months ago. Something had shown up on my lip. And they froze it a couple times. And um, uh, it didn't quite get it. So they, they took a, a, a specimen and, and they discovered that it's cancer. It was, it was cancer. It was basal cell carcinoma. That's the best type of cancer to have. And although I had cancer, it wasn't life-threatening. I want everybody to understand that. But I had to go have it removed. And so I was laying on the surgeon's uh, table just a few days ago. And they have this thing called Mohs surgery. And what it means is they, they try to cut out uh, the amount that they think would, would, would get the cancer out. But they test it. And if it's on the perimeter all the way to the edge, they know they didn't get it. And they know what area where that still is. So they'll go back and they'll cut more and they'll cut more until they get it all. Well, that means they can get it all in that one day, right? And it's really uh, amazing technology. But every time they test it, it takes 45 minutes. So I was on the table. They cut it out. They tested it the first time, 45-minute wait. And they said the average is two or three times. Well, um, the fifth time she came back and said we didn't quite get it all. And they're cutting out more, you know, first time, second time, third time, fourth time, uh, fifth time. The fifth time, I, uh, Karen came and said, what did the surgeon say? And I said, he just said, we're going to cut your lips off and throw them away. Um, it's about what it felt like on that table and 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 so they went seven times before they before they got it the average is two or three and it was about an inch and a quarter long about um, uh, a half inch uh, wide and Karen Karen looked at the hole and tried not to uh, show uh, concern but I could see it in her in her eyes and they 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 did surgery 
Well, they don't, they don't have anesthesiologists in this office, so I, I think I was shot in the face about 60 or 70 times that day, because every time is, you know, five to seven times to deaden the area, and then they take the sample, and, and all, you know, seven times, and, and, then, and then 25 or 30 times for the surgery, because they cut me from the bottom of my nose, uh, down to the top of my lip, across my lip down here, and all the way down to the bottom of my chin. And they call it a flap surgery. And what they do to cover the hole is they peeled the skin up off the top here and they moved, kind of shifted the whole thing and put it over here and just kind of tacked it down. Well, that's a lot of cutting, you know, and I'm awake the whole time. I see the scissors coming to my face, you know. I hear that. <laughs> so I'm thinking, I think I'd like to be out. And then I think, no, this is a good time to pray. I think I'm glad I'm awake to pray for his hands right now. Lord, guide his hands, and I'm, I'm praying for this, the surgeon. But something happened on that table. I had a moment with God right there where I, like, it's a pretty big cut, right? I told you it's 50 stitches. When they took them out, they said it was 75, actually, with those inside. And they're smaller these days, so 75 isn't what it used to be, right? Um, but I don't know what I'm going to look like, right? And it is cancer, and I'm laying on this table, and they're just, you know, cutting my face up, and... I say to God, God, whatever happens, I'm just recommitting my life to you more than ever. Doesn't matter what I look like when this is done, Lord, I'm completely yours. And God, for the rest of my days, because you think about things in times like that, right? For the rest of my days, I'm, I'm re-upping and I'm going harder. As a matter of fact, I didn't say this in the first service, but after the surgery, I've had some dental work done recently. I'm flossing my teeth and a tooth falls out. So I take the tooth down, I throw it on the table, and I look at Karen, I go, stupid devil, I'm not quitting. That's what I, that's, uh, I'm going harder, not, I'm not going easier, I'm going harder, you know. I don't know if the devil did, I'm going to blame him anyway, you know, it doesn't, God's okay with that. Might have been that candy my dad bought me, I don't, I don't know, but... <laughs> But here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to stay at it. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. And for some of you, you've had some hard things. And this prayer thing, you wonder, does it even work? Here's the deal. Stay at it. Keep at it. You're not done yet. I'm not done yet. Just a few more feet away and you could see amazing things. Keep with it. Keep at it. He's good. He loves you. He's powerful. He's a miracle worker. And at just the right time, he moves. And for some of you, he's building a testimony to show his glory. Through all the pain, you're going to come out victorious and you're going to help people. You'll comfort those who need comfort with the comfort you receive. Keep at it in prayer. Second thought, listening is vital when it comes to prayer. It's key. Some people think prayer is just talking to God. The problem with talking to God is we tell him what we know. <laughs> We're limited in our knowledge. Listening has a real measure of faith attached to it. An ear to God is saying, I believe that you love me and you're going to speak to me somehow, some way. Acts 10.3, one day at about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly, this is Cornelius now, again the story, saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear and he said, what is it, Lord? Now, granted, he has an angel show up, 
But that question, what is it, Lord, is a great question for us. I can't always track God. I'm honest with you. I don't understand why he does things. I don't understand why things are hard sometimes. But I do trust him. I know he'll either remove it or he's, he's up to something that would be good through, through, the, through the trial to show himself gloriously. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in a fire. How could that be good? Well, there was a fourth one that looked like the Son of God that was in there with them. There's a testimony that they came out from the fire and the only thing that was burned were, were the ropes that bound them. Even the people who threw them in the fire, they, they weren't even in it, but as they got close, the furnace was so hot that they were burned up and killed. Looked like split weenies on a, on a barbecue right there. And, and these guys aren't hurt at all. And today, because they went through the fire, we know that God will walk through us through the fire. Listen, he'll either deliver you from the fire or he'll walk through the fire with you. But he's there. He has purpose and he's good and he will help you. So we can say to him, what is it, Lord? And we can listen. It's important to listen to your parents, even when you're adult and have your own home. That's important. It's important to listen to your boss. It's important to listen to your friends. It's really important that you listen to your wife, and it's very important that you listen to your mentors. But listening to God is more important than listening to any person. The most spiritual person in the world who loves you completely and totally, who understands the word of God and has great wisdom in areas where you're struggling right now, can't do anything compared to God to help you in your situation. It's good to have the wisdom of people. It's better to have God speak to you because he knows exactly what's needed. Around the turn of the century, this is one of the stories, by the way, that's in our devotional book that we're reading. And if you haven't gotten it yet, just get an ebook version, a Kindle version, and, and join, join with and, and pick it up and go. But here's one of the stories. Around the turn of the 20th century, the agricultural economy of the South was suffering as the boll weevil devastated cotton crops. The soil was being depleted of nutrients because farmers planted cotton year in and year out. Enter George Washington Carver, one of the most brilliant scientific minds of the 20th century. Carver introduced the concept of crop rotation and encouraged farmers to plant peanuts instead of cotton. The rotation of crops revived the soil, but it didn't revive the economy because there was no market for peanuts. The abundant peanut crop rotted in warehouses because supply was greater than demand. Frustrated farmers complained to Carver and he did what he had always done. He took a long walk and had a long talk with God. Now this is one of the greatest scientists that America's ever known, George Washington Carver. And I want you to recognize in this story where he got his knowledge. Uh, let me tell you something about science. There's nothing wrong with science. But we, we, we think of science as, as if science always knows. Did you know that science, the definition, is the study to know? It's not knowing. It's studying to know. There's nothing wrong with studying to know. But a lot of people get about uh, a little bit a ways into the study and they make declarations that aren't true. Now we're seeing there's even political motivation with scientists where we get studies that aren't true to, to prove someone's point. My point in this is, here's a scientist 
who got great wisdom from God, right? Because he's the source of all wisdom. George Washington Carver routinely got up at 4 a.m. in the morning to pray. He walked through the woods and he asked God to reveal the mysteries of nature to him. And the passage that he loved was Job 12, verse 7 and 8. And it was one of the most circled promises in his Bible. Now, this is Bible. So we're not afraid of science, right? It's a study to know. That's, that's fine. That's good. But here's, here's the, what the Bible says. Ask the animals and they will teach you. Or the birds in the sky and they will tell you. Or speak to the truth and it will teach you. This, this is Job 12, 7. Um, and they will tell you. Or let the fish in the sea inform you. And Carver took that promise at face value. He literally asked God to reveal the mysteries of nature to him. And God answered his prayer. Carver is famous for discovering more than 300 uses for the peanut. But the genesis of those revelations was one conversation that he had with God. In his own inimitable fashion, Carver shared the story behind the story. So this is Carver writing about what God revealed to him. He says... I asked God, why did you make the universe, Lord? Ask for something more in proportion to that little mind of yours, replied God. Why did you make the earth, Lord? I asked. Your little mind still wants to know far too much. Ask for something more in proportion to that little mind of yours, replied God. This is Carver in his own writing now. Remember, he's very humble here, but he's one of the smartest men that America's ever seen. Why did you make man, Lord? I ask. Far too much, far too much. Ask again, replied God. Explain to me why you made plants, Lord, I ask. Your little mind still wants to know far too much. The peanut, I ask meekly. Yes, for your modest proportions, I will grant you the mystery of the peanut. Take it inside your laboratory. Separate it into water, fats, oils, gums, resin, sugars, starches, and amino acids. Then recombine these under my three laws of compatibility, temperature, and pressure. Then you will know why I made the peanut. On January 20th, 1921, George Washington Carver testified before the House Ways and Means Committee on behalf of the United Peanut Association of America. The chairman, Joseph Fordney of Michigan, told him he had 10 minutes an hour and 40 minutes later, the committee told Carver he could come back whenever he wanted to and take as much time as he needed. He did, and he mesmerized the committee by demonstrating a myriad of ingenious uses for the peanut. Everything from, still, still helps us today, glue to shaving cream to soap to insecticide to cosmetics to wood stains, fertilizer, linoleum, Worcester sauce, I can't say it. Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> Karen tried to correct me between services, but I'm just going to speak in tongues and call it good. <laughs> the next time you shave or put on makeup, this is Batterson now talking from Draw the Circle. The next time you shave or put on makeup, the next time you stain the deck or fertilize your garden, the next time you enjoy a good old-fashioned PBJ, remember that all those things trace back to a man who had a habit of praying every morning at 4 a.m. Those 300 uses of the peanut were not good ideas, they were God ideas. And one God idea is worth more than a thousand good ideas. Good ideas are good, but only God ideas change the course of history. 
God not only cares about you, He cares about others, and He'll use you to bless so many in this world. As you seek Him, He'll show you how to do it. So how do you hear from God? It's kind of ethereal feeling to so many. Honestly, um, I don't see this boastfully. I see it humbly. My dad had a habit of, of just tuning into him all, all my life. So I, I kind of figured out that God wants to talk to me and saw that he would talk to my dad and just, I got to see it, you know, in front of me. How he would pray and seek the word and, 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 and the Lord would show him. Well, how's that work? Well, you seek him and you ask him, you talk to him. You, you walk in the forest like this guy did. And his spirit starts to speak to your spirit. You say, does that really happen? Well, the Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. The three in one. They're, they're all God. They're all one. And yet Jesus left and he said, I, I sent a helper to you. The one who speaks to us on this earth is the Holy Spirit. And here's what it says in Romans 8, 14. This is for all of us. You say, how do we know this is true? The true children of God are those who, are, who let God's Spirit lead them. Huh. So God's Spirit wants to lead you and lead me. And prayer is part of being led. It's asking and listening. Galatians 5, 25. Since we are living by the Spirit, <clears throat> let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So the Spirit of God wants to lead us in every part of our lives. Business? Hey, George Washington Carver. My son and my daughter who's popping off and I don't know how to deal with it? Every area. Psalm 143.10, teach me to do what you want because you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. His good spirit <clears throat> wants to lead us. You think, well, it's just too weird to think God would speak back to me. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. This shows that we're, we're all the sheep, and, and God says, I, my voice you will hear. Holy Spirit always leads to Jesus. Jesus always leads to the Father. It's the way it works in the Trinity. But God speaks. Prayer is not just talking, it's listening. That's what he said, be still. And know that I am God. So part of our prayer time should be, you know, we, I mean, you know, Karen and I, we're, we're praying in, in the morning or the evening. We're going through this devotional and we'll ask God for things. We'll talk to him about things. We'll ask him to reveal things. But there, there should be a listening too. Should be a time where you just say, Lord, I don't know about this. What do you think? It's all right to say that. And usually you don't know in the moment. But what happens is he, he starts to give you impressions. And they never go outside the truth of the word of God. You say, well, why would we need him to speak to us? Who are you going to marry? Who are you going to marry? What's his name? What's he look like? You might need a little help with that. It won't say it in the word. It talks about character. But we can seek God about who's that one? Who, who is he? Who is she? Where am I supposed to work? What am I supposed to do? It doesn't say in the Bible. It tells you how to live, but it doesn't show you what your job's going to be. But when we ask him. He cares about these things. He has plans for us. He has, I believe that there's 
a permissive will of God and a perfect will of God. I believe that God is good and He loves us, but I believe we can miss the perfect will of God because we don't seek Him. This is where fasting and prayer comes into, into play for Karen and I. When we have big decisions in life or big things that, that we're confronted with, we will, we will just spend a time fasting and prayer. We, we don't eat food for the purpose of tuning into the Spirit. You know, when you, when, you, when you subdue the flesh, the Spirit stuff is easier to hear. And so... Uh, it's, it's not like, you know, suffer and, and, you know, then maybe God will tell you. It's, it's more about, I'm, I'm serious, I need to hear. But when you come for those key things in life, we have found that when you take the time to seek Him, that He will show you in a number of ways that are cooperated. He will show you and give you a good sense by the time it's all over about what you're supposed to do. One of the primary purposes of prayer is to discover the will of God. And so, we not only ask, we listen. We're attentive to the things that He shows us. Third, obeying the direction the Lord gives us is key. So it's not just asking and hearing, but then you have to step. Acts 10, the angel answered Cornelius, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. There's just a little emphasis there sermon for another day, God really hears when you pray and God really likes it when you give to the poor. Those two things cause God to pay attention to Cornelius. That's, those are things that we should be involved with. Now send men to Joppa, so he gives the word. Bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. That's pretty specific stuff there. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants, and he told them, so here he is, he hears it and he moves. Sometimes we hear it, but we don't move, so we don't see. Then we wonder, should I have? And maybe that season's passed and God's gracious, and you know, if he wanted witnessing and we don't answer the call, he just calls someone else to come alongside, right? But we miss blessings sometimes because we don't step when he says step. He told them everything that had happened, and he sent them to Joppa. So Cornelius obeys, boom, right, out, right off the bat, right out of the gate. He followed the directions and obedience, and as a result, not only was he blessed, but all of us are blessed as we get to be adopted into the family of God. I might add that in this story, I'm not, I can't read it all, I don't have time this morning, but Peter was uh, 30 miles away in the city of Joppa, that's that, by the way, that's, that's a long ways to travel. Caesarea, send them now. So they're traveling 30 miles, I don't know, a day or two to get there, working hard to get there. And Peter's here and he's praying too. He's got this discipline of prayer. And when he's praying, the Lord shows him a vision. And basically the vision means, I'm going to let everybody in now. Everybody can be saved, not just the people of Israel. And he obeys too. He, he goes down and he, the Spirit tells him, go down there and there, there, there's someone there to speak to you. Acts 10, 19, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Now let me talk about the timing of God, the will of God now. This is 10 years after Jesus dies. Now for me, I, I, I probably would think, hey, shouldn't we let him in right away? Why are we waiting 10 years? But the timing of God, God knows why he does what he does, and he does it perfectly. So we got to be careful not to let our own wisdom get in the way because this was the perfect timing of God. Ten years after Jesus died, he opened the door here with Peter and Cornelius. 
Then you want to talk about specific timing. 30 miles away, and God says, hey, they're there at your door right now. He started them a couple days ahead, got them there, and said, go now, and boom. And here's the deal. It took a lot of time for this to happen, but when prayers are going up and people are regular, you will find irregular things start to happen. Because God will do something amazing. Stay at it. Ask Him. Seek Him. When he, when he speaks, obey. But then understand, there's a timing in all this. Right? God will give you a sense of what direction to go. He'll give you a feeling. And it's not all about feelings, right? We have the Word and we have the counsel and wisdom of our brothers and sisters. Uh, but... but It'll be confirmed by the Holy Spirit in a number of ways. And sometimes it takes a season. And I, I seek God about things that I can't always find right away what it is. And sometimes I can't find at all what it is, you know. There's a place in the Bible where it says they did, good, they did what seemed uh, good to them and to the Holy Spirit. But, but often, He'll give me a sense and He'll give you a sense and a direction to go. How do I deal with that broken relationship? He'll give you a timing and a and a way to say something. He might speak through someone else. He, but you'll, you'll come to a place, if you're seeking Him with regularity, where within the confines of the Word, you'll find wisdom, protection of the Word. you find the wisdom and specifics to deal with the situation. And this is why we pray. None of that matters, though, if we don't act and obey on what He gives us. So, <clears throat> about 10 years ago, I'm sitting in my office and... Uh, Coho Court, minding my own business, I, I, with regularity, I've asked God to reveal His plan and purpose for my life in the church, and I, that's been a, a regular in my, my life, and, and I'm minding my own business, I'm just working at my desk, and I hear a distinct impression, I, they were specific words, I didn't hear them audibly, but I just, they were just there in my head, and here's what it was, I want to start, I want to build a great high school to glorify my name. Well, glorify my name, that must be God. But that didn't sound like a God thought to me. I did not want to do a Christian high school. And let me tell you why, just one word, work. It is a ton of work to have a high school. High schools are harder than junior high and grade school, which we had, because they drive onto campus, right? And I said to the Lord, and I, I get so much credit for starting this high school, I'm the guy who didn't want to do it, honest to goodness. I said to God, um, first of all, I said, is that you, Lord? Because I didn't want it to be. You know, I don't know if you've been there before. <laughs> and I said, God, I don't know anything about high school. When I sensed it was him, I said that. And he said, I know a little bit about it. That's what I felt the impression coming back to me. I said, well, Lord, if, if this is you, and I wasn't convinced in that moment that it was, but if, if this is you, Lord, but we need provision because we don't have space, we don't have a place. We're already busting at the seams as a church in our campus. God, we, we need provision. And I, if it's you, just confirm it by your provision and confirm it by letting others know it in their hearts. So I sat on that for a little bit. I talked to the elders about what I thought the Lord had said. Within a week... Someone called with a million-dollar gift. I'm just going to make a long story short here. And it became the beginning of the many confirmations God gave about what He wanted to do as we move forward. We sit here today because not only I, but the elders, the leaders, the people of this church who gave millions, people in this, 
some of you need to know, people sold cars and houses so we could be here. Unbelievable. You don't do that unless God speaks to you. I remember that, that one single lady who had a son in college, and, and I know how much money she made because she worked for us, and it wasn't a lot. She pledged $18,500 over a three-year period. That was an annual salary to her. So when I saw her, I made a mistake, and I said, you know, that, you don't, you don't, I, man, I just, I didn't want her to do it. I didn't want her to sacrifice it. She didn't have much anyway. She said, oh, pastor, I have to do it, because God told me to do it. I watched God put her son through college with no debt over the next three years. I watched her pay that and have money left over. I can't even tell you how it happened. But all I can tell you is God spoke to a lot of people, and we obeyed. Now, he's got more for us to do, and he's going to speak to you about your family. And See, all these things are principles that happen in your life and your situation and where you're supposed to move and how it's supposed to go. And we just need to understand that life's an adventure. It's not just a journey. It's an adventure with God. And we shouldn't be calling the shots. He should. And when he does, it's an exciting, amazing adventure. There's a price to pay for hearing from God, a direction to go and not following. Jonah, you might know that story. Let me tell you another story. It's the negative side of it. I like to stay positive, but when it's in the Bible, the negative, share it. You know, it's for, it's for good. 1 Samuel 15, 3 talks about Saul, the king. He was told to attack the Amalekites in verse 3 and destroy everything they own as an offering to the Lord. Don't let anything live. 1 Samuel 15, 13, he thinks better of what, you know, he thinks he's got a good idea. Now listen, in the natural, it makes sense that you'd want to spare all the good sheep and all the good cows because it'd mean better things for your nation, right, if you're a king. In the natural. Except, God said, I want you to destroy them as an offering to me. When Samuel came to Saul, Saul said, may the Lord bless you. I've obeyed the Lord's command. But Samuel said, then why do I hear cattle mooing and sheep bleating? He goes on in verse 19. Why didn't you obey the Lord? Why did you take the best things? Why did you do what the Lord said was wrong? I'm kind of amazed. I'm amazed and I've probably done it myself. So let me, let me humble that down a little bit. I'm amazed at how we as human beings can go so against the will of God, what he reveals in his word for morality, what he reveals for relationships, what he reveals for blessing, that we would willingly, continually, deliberately go against it, and then when bad things happen, we blame him. He tried to tell us. He won't make us do it. We get to choose, and sometimes our pain, we're the reason. It's not mom and dad who spanked you just one too many times. It's not someone who put you down. It's not someone who fired you. Often our biggest problem is us because we don't want to obey the revealed will of God in the Bible. And then when it comes to specifics, he'll give us a direction and we can't experience the blessing because we don't take the steps sometimes. 1 Samuel 15, 26, you rejected the Lord's command and now he rejects you as king of Israel. That's what the prophet said to Saul when Saul deliberately disobeyed the Lord. He'll give us that sense of direction and we need to move on it and be, and, and be true to what he's saying. 
um, I'm not really great at direction. I like to feel my way to things, right? Any of you people in the house who like to remember that it's a white house, the third street, and then two streets down, and it's the white picket fence, and it's there. That's me. Karen, my wife, on the other hand, very much likes to know streets, and she loves maps. I am not kidding you. We got a map of the hotel we were at this year, and she was excited to get that map. (laughs) Who do you think does better finding their way between the two of us? I'm always on my way to there. I... Those streets in Portland don't change, but I can't ever find where I'm going in Portland. I have that English lady speaking to me from the stereo. I still can't get where she's saying to go. The Bible is the roadmap, but God will give specific directions as well. And if we try to feel our way, we're going to be lost more than those who follow the directions. You might find yourself taking one of your friends up and down in an elevator and wondering where you are. I didn't know when, Donnie, I wasn't high on drugs either. (laughs) I was lost. Come on. There are two bridges there on the fourth floor of the parking garage, and I went up I went down the first one and up on the second one. I didn't know where I was because I I didn't really map the place out, right? The funniest part was Donnie was, I left him to go look and I said something back to him, but he didn't hear me evidently. And so he's standing there with his suitcase. He doesn't have his phone and he's kind of teasing. He goes, Stan, Stan, where are you? And a little old lady walked by and said, it'll be okay, son. Patted him on the shoulder. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Normally we emphasize that in the verse, but let me make the emphasis this, the next line. Do not depend on your own understanding. Feeling your way has some consequences. Sometimes they're stiff. Sometimes it just takes longer to get there. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. So, we stay at it with prayer. We ask, we keep asking, and then we listen. And over time, He gives us the right sense of direction to where to go. And then we have to obey, follow the directions. This is how prayer works if you, if you work it. But you have to discover. Prayer is about discovery, not telling God what you need. It's more discovering what He wants you to have. And then, the fourth thing, prayer brings blessing. You act, you move, you're obedient, and He moves. That's faith. By the way, you you step out, that's faith. Many of you have heard me say this probably a hundred times over the last 20 years. Faith is pointing in the right direction and taking one step at a time. Right foot, left foot. Right foot. It's It's not a flying leap. But that step has to do with his direction. And then the moment you take that first step, that's faith. And he honors faith. He honors prayer offered in faith. Acts 10, 34, then Peter began to speak. Now here's where it happens. The the floodgates open. 
It's been just the Jews, just Israel until this moment where God chose and a, and a faithful man named Cornelius heard it. He obeyed. And a faithful man of God named Peter heard and obeyed. And Peter said when they met, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Because of these God followers, these men of God, God spoke, they followed and the door to salvation was open to us. Adopted into the, to all the peoples of the world. Every nation. Acts 10.43, further down the line, explains it. It's talking about Jesus. He's the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. And this is where the door is thrown wide open. When you pray, when you follow, and you obey, in his timing, blessings come. Part of waiting when you don't get the answer is trust. I don't, I don't get it. I don't feel it. But I trust in you. Right foot, left foot. Hey, did you know that it's amazing faith when you don't feel like it and you step the right direction? Here's the funny thing. With each step, the feelings start to come. <laughs> They'll come with you. Make the feelings the caboose, not the engine. Make the engine faith, and the feelings will eventually follow faith. So my friend, Mark Batterson, who wrote this book, Draw the Circle, uh, re really this book came from another book that he wrote called The Circle Maker. How many have read The Circle Maker? Okay, Over half a million uh, people have purchased this book. Draw the Circle came from some of that material, but all the testimonies that came from that book, at, at the Circle Maker, people were following those principles of prayer, some of them we're talking about today, and he put some of the testimonies that came in after the Circle Maker was written to, to, to write these devotionals for Draw the Circle. Biblical principle, not just stories in these, in these chapters, these devotions, but, but stories of God's miracles. The Circle Maker, he mentions Honai. Uh, in, 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 in Draw the Circle. But in the Circle Maker, he tells with specificity the story of Honai. So when we say draw the circle, we're saying circle yourself up with God. And, and, and you say, well, what are the principles? They, they marched around Jericho. They, uh, you, know, you don't have to make a circle, but the thought is it's not wrong to think this way, right? So, so, so circle up and say, around this, I'm going to pray. And the story of Honai was was uh, the, the origin for the name of the first book, The Circle Maker. And here it is, the story of Honai. It was the first century B.C. and a devastating drought threatened to destroy a generation. The generation before Jesus. The last of the Jewish prophets had died off <clears throat> nearly four centuries before. So this is, there's 400 years in history with, with Israel where you don't really hear anything. It seems like God's not even moving in history. But this is recorded in history. This is not Bible. This is a historical account uh, from, from, from Jewish history. So keep that in mind. But they had this major drought. Jesus hadn't shown up yet. They're not hearing God talk. The last of the Jewish prophets had died off. Miracles were such a distant memory that they seemed like a false memory to the people of Israel. God was nowhere to be heard. But there was one man, an eccentric sage, who lived outside the walls of Jerusalem who dared to pray anyway. His name was Honai. And even if the people could no longer hear God, he believed <clears throat> that God could still hear them. 
When rain is plentiful, it's an afterthought. During a drought, it's the only thought. And these, the, I'm reading directly from the circle maker now. Mark's account of history in this story. And Honai was their only hope. Famous for his ability to pray for rain, it was on this day, the day that Honai would earn his moniker. With a six-foot staff in his hand, Honai began to map a course like a math compass. His circular movement was rhythmical and methodical. 90 degrees, 180 degrees, 270 degrees, 360 degrees. He never looked up as the crowd looked on. After what seemed like hours, but had only been seconds, Honai stood inside that circle that he had drawn. Then he dropped to his knees. He raised his hands to heaven with the authority of Elijah who called down fire from heaven. Honai called down rain. And here's what he said. It's recorded in Jewish history. Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. Thousands of people are there to watch. The words sent a shudder down the spine of all who were within earshot. It wasn't just the volume, it was the authority of his tone. Not a hint of doubt. This prayer didn't originate in the vocal cords. Like water from an artesian well, the words flowed from the depth of his soul. His prayer was resolute yet humble, confident yet meek, expectant yet unassuming. And then it happened. As his prayer ascended to the heavens, raindrops descended to the earth. An audible gas swept across the thousands of congregants who hadn't seen rain for years. Every head turned heavenward as the first drops parachuted from the sky. But Honai's head remained bowed. The people rejoiced over each drop, but Honai wasn't satisfied with the sprinkle. Still kneeling within the circle, Honai lifted his voice over the sounds of the celebration, and he said this, Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. And the sprinkle turned into such a torrential downpour that eyewitnesses said no raindrop was smaller than an egg in size. It rained so heavily and so steadily that those thousands of people fled to the Temple Mount to escape the flash floods. Honai stayed in his circle and he prayed there. Once more, he refined his bold request. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for the rain of thy favor, blessing, and graciousness. Then in that moment, like a well-proportioned sun shower on a hot and humid August afternoon, it began to rain calmly, peacefully. Each raindrop was tangible, a token of God's grace. And they didn't just soak the skin, they soaked the spirit with faith. It would be forever remembered as the day. The day thunderclaps applauded the Almighty. The day puddle jumping became an act of praise. The day the legend of the circle maker was born. It had been difficult to believe the day before the day. The day after the day, it was impossible not to believe. The prayer that saved a generation was deemed one of the most significant prayers in the history of Israel. The circle he drew in the sand became a sacred symbol. And the legend of Honai, the circle maker, stands forever as a testament to the power of a single prayer to change the course of history. 
I like that thought. The day after the day, it was impossible not to believe. David said, I've slain the bear, I've slain the lion, the giant's going down. Someday this giant in your life, you keep praying, you stay with God, you will see it fall. And it'll be a testimony. The day after the day, you'll never be the same again. So Batterson says, I like this quote, if you pray to God regularly, irregular things will happen. Psalm 34, 8, and this is, this is my hope that you might find joy. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is the way you taste. You participate. You jump in. You go, you pray. 